while you're standing, we're going to go ahead and read from the word of the Lord. We'll start today. I have two texts. I don't have two titles like pastor does, but I have two texts. James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It's a familiar scripture. We like to proclaim this and declare this a lot. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We love that verse. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're also going to turn just a few pages over, not very far, to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses, I'm sorry, I said that wrong, I believe. Yes, 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. And it says this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth, giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I want to talk to you today on this subject, walking in spiritual authority. Walking in spiritual authority. We've already prayed, but one more time, let's set down our Bibles and say, God, speak to me. Speak to me today, God. Speak to my heart let me hear your word, Jesus. Your word is already anointed, God, but let me hear it. Let me receive it, Jesus. Jesus' name. You may be seated. The eyes of the Lord are looking all over the earth. Did you know that the Lord is looking for ways that he can show himself strong on your behalf. We sang about it this morning that he is the king of every battle, that he wears the victor's crown. He is victorious. We sang that we were gonna shout unto God with a voice of triumph because I've got the victory. We declared it, we proclaimed it, we shouted about it, we danced and we sang about it because we truly believe that God is victorious and he is fighting for us. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I like how the NIV says it to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And the new King James says, those whose heart is loyal to him. So that is the good news today, that the eyes of the Lord are watching us. They are looking to and fro throughout the earth, looking for some place that he can show up and defend you looking for an opportunity that he can show up in your circumstances and show himself strong and mighty on your behalf. Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. So in 2 Chronicles, we can't forget the, the second half of that statement. He's looking to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Those whose hearts are fully committed, those whose heart is loyal to him. So that's the good news. But here's the bad news. If our hearts are not in alignment with God, if we are not fully committed and we are not loyal to him, then when, yes, he sees us, 
but he is not ready to show himself strong on our behalf. Because Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He sees it all. 1 Peter 3 and 12, for the eyes of the Lord are over who? The righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. God's eyes are upon the righteous. God's ears are open to their prayers. But it doesn't stop there this morning. Unfortunately, we've got to read the latter part of the verse. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Habakkuk 1 and 13 Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on iniquity. Now what this means, it does not mean that God has to close his eyes and turn his back whenever we start to sin. But rather, this is a recognition of God's righteous character. God is holy. God is just, God is divine, and his very nature will not allow him to look on and linger on wickedness, meaning he does not delight in our sin, he does not accept it, but he turns away and he ignores it. He ignores us, he turns his eyes, he turns away from those that do evil. We love to declare that his eyes are upon us. He's a mighty warrior. He's fighting for me. But we fail to mention the latter half of all of these scriptures that I have just read in your hearing, that he's showing himself strong on those whose hearts are right with him. He he is watching the evil and the good, but his eyes linger over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But if we are doing evil, he turns his face away from us because God hates sin he is perfect and holy in every way he cannot dwell and look upon our sin with delight he cannot accept it he turns against it he turns his back and he will not look upon wickedness with pleasure and approval I imagine it something like this God is looking all over the earth to and fro looking for someone to show himself strong on and he sees look at my servant Job have you considered him his heart is perfect towards me so I'm gonna step in and I'm going to show myself strong on his behalf. Oh, but when he looks to and fro and he sees evil and he sees sin, he doesn't think that's cute. He does not think that's pretty. He looks on evil with disgust and he turns his face from it. I don't know about you, but I want my heart to be right with God. I want the eyes of the Lord upon me. I want his hand covering me and protecting me and keeping me from the enemy. I want to place myself under his covering today and know that every battle that I fight, I am covered by his mighty hand, that the enemy may be able to tempt me and trick me and deceive me, but the Lord is fighting for me. He is ready to show himself strong on my behalf. God's eyes are looking on you today. What does he see? What does God see in your life? Will he look upon you with delight and lean his ear in close to you? Or does God look down and with with a grieving heart, does he have to turn his face away from you and know that the enemy is after you and you are struggling, but you have not brought yourself in alignment with him and he can do nothing for you. Someone else's eyes are on you today. 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking, he's seeking. 
Just like the eyes of the Lord are seeking the earth, the enemy of our soul is seeking to devour. The enemy is looking for you this morning. And when the enemy comes, he does not come to add good things to your life like our God does. God comes to add blessings. God comes to bring goodness into our lives. God comes to love us, to bring us peace, to bring us joy. But when the enemy comes as a roaring lion, he comes to bring fear. He comes to bring oppression. He comes to bring anxiety. He comes to bring sickness and disease. He comes to bring sin that ultimately will destroy you. His job is not to bless you, but he sets out every day looking for someone to devour. He is coming to steal from you. He is coming to kill, and he is coming to destroy. He wants to take out your family. He wants to take out your marriage. He wants to take out this church. He wants to destroy you, and he wants to destroy everything that has been built up with the Lord. It is his desire to take you out. It's very real. God is real this morning, and so is the enemy of our souls. Heaven is real, and so is hell. There are eyes upon us every day, church. The eyes of the Lord see it all. Nothing is hidden from his sight. The things that we're doing when we're scrolling through our phones and we're on Facebook, God sees it. The things that we're doing in the dark of night when we think nobody sees it and nobody is watching, God sees it all. There is no sin that is hidden from him. He sees it. But when he sees it, he doesn't linger on it. He doesn't dwell on it. He doesn't watch it for his entertainment. He can't because he's perfect and he's holy and he turns his back on you. If you want the face of God to shine upon you, you have to bring yourself in alignment with him this morning. I want his eyes on me. I want his covering over me. I want God's attention. And the way to get his attention is to submit to him, to come to a place of repentance and say, God, I've done wrong. And I promise you this morning, the minute that you say that, the minute you say, God, you know all, you see all, I'm not fooling you. I might fool the pastor. I might fool my brother or my sister. I might fool my mom and dad, but I am not fooling you, Lord. You see it all. And I need to get my heart right with you today. The minute you say that, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins. And his eyes come looking at us. His eyes, his attention is upon us and he can look at us with delight. We know that the enemy is after us. We know that the enemy wants to take us out. And I don't know about you, but I want protection from that enemy. I want to be like Job, that when I go through things in life, that I've got the hand of God on me. That I've got his love and his mercy walking me through the hard times, walking me through every attack of the enemy. I want to know that I am under the shadow of his wings, that I am under his covering. I want to be covered by the Lord. If you were here at Tuesday night prayer meeting, pastor talked about the covering. And he said, we've got to place ourselves under the covering of God. And he gave the illustration that he threw a towel over top of Brother Kidwell's head and said, I want God to cover me in such a way and cover my family and cover this church that the enemy goes looking and he can't even find us because we're hidden in God. Yeah, we can stand up for that. We're excited. We want the covering of God on us. We can give God praise for that. We want the covering. 
We want his mercy. We want his grace. We want his blessings. We want that. I don't think there's a person in the room that would say, no, I don't want God looking out for me. It is the will of God for us to walk in our spiritual authority. God desires that we would have dominion over every sin that the enemy would tempt us with. You can have dominion over sin, and that is the will of God for you to have dominion over sin and not for the sin to have dominion over you. It is God's desire that you have authority over every thought that comes to your mind that is not in alignment with God's truth. It is not God's will for his people to be bound in their thoughts. It is not the will of God for his people to be bound up in their sins and their temptations. It is God's desire for us to walk in dominion and power over the enemy. That is the will of God. So why? Why are so many Christians walking around with their head hung, living in fear and anxiety and temptation? Why are so many Christians not living according to the word of God? And why are they living in sin? Why are we always beat up and abused? Why is the church always struggling and fighting? Why don't we have dominion? If it's God's desire for us, why don't we walk in it? We try to do it in our own power. We try to declare it with our own mouth and just say it's in my power. Did you know that you cannot argue with the devil and win? You can't. You cannot argue with the devil. Jude 1 and 9 is a very interest, interesting passage of Scripture. There's a story that's told in this one brief little verse where Michael, the archangel, and Satan were having some sort of dispute over the body of Moses. We don't see this anywhere else in scripture. So we don't really know exactly what this exchange was and what they were fighting over. But in Jude verse 9, the scripture tells us that they were disputing. And Michael, an angel of God, Michael, the archangel, did not come to the enemy and bring a bunch of accusations and arguments against him. He did not have a 10-point argument to lay out before Satan. No. He simply spoke these words. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. We have access to spiritual authority over the enemy. God has given us authority through Jesus Christ to overcome every sin, every temptation. He has given us the authority to conquer our thoughts and the strongholds that we've allowed to be built up in our minds. He has given us authority to tread on serpents, to cast out devils, to see miracles, signs, and wonders. Not in my name, not in pastor's name, but in his name. He's given us the authority in his name. We don't have to argue with the enemy. We don't have to bicker and go back and forth with the thoughts in our mind. We have dominion over it. We have authority over the enemy. So I ask the question one more time, and this time I'm going to give you the answer. Why don't we walk in spiritual authority? Why is the devil always beating us up? Why do we come in Sunday after Sunday tired and worn and feeling like we don't have victory? How come every time the temptation is thrown at us, we give in and we can never seem to tell the enemy no? 
Why does it feel like we're always in a constant battle and a constant struggle with the enemy of our souls? If we have so much power and so much authority through the name of Jesus Christ, and we can, as pastor preaches, we have more power in the tip of our pinky than all of hell, then why don't we walk in it? Why do we tolerate this little ankle biter that's constantly after God's church? Why do we tolerate the enemy that is always after our family and our children? Why do we tolerate it in our marriages? Why do we try to argue or reason our way out of it when we don't have to? We've just got the authority to tell it to go. Why do we sit back and watch the enemy working in our children, in our homes, in our churches? Why don't we operate in the authority that is available to us? The Lord showed me this church, and I'm about to give you the answer to that question. And I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be comfortable. But I invite you to take a walk with me this morning. Because there is a pathway to spiritual authority in our lives. And if we do not walk on that path, we will never access the authority that is available to us. The pathway to spiritual authority is submission. Submission is a word we don't like because the enemy has made it a bad word. Our culture has made it a bad word. But there is absolutely no way we can have power over the enemy, power over sin, There is no way we can be the church that God has called us to be unless we walk the path of submission. It's not natural for us. No one teaches a two-year-old to say no. It's already in them. Rebellion is in our DNA. We don't have to be taught to be rebellious. We don't have to be taught to say no to the authority in our lives. Rebellion leads to conflict. Rebellion leads to division. Rebellion will never lead to unity and progress and revival. Rebellion will never take us to a place of spiritual authority over the enemy. The Bible likens rebellion as unto the sin of witchcraft. And I have come to declare this morning that we don't need no witches in the kingdom of God. Rebellion has no place in the church. Rebellion has no place in the life of a believer. Rebellion has no place in God's kingdom. We all have a goal, and that is heaven. We will not get there with a rebellious spirit. We all have a desire and a passion, and that is for souls. That's why we're reaching. That's why we're loving God and loving people. But we will never see revival with a rebellious spirit. Amen? So the question is, according to the Bible, what does this pathway look like? What does this walk look like? I invite you today to take this walk with me down the pathway of submission. But I'm going to give you scripture and tell you what that pathway looks like and how we walk it. James 4 and 7. We read it together here in the beginning, submit yourselves to God, full stop. Submit yourselves to God. 
We often read that part of the scripture and ignore it. We just get real excited when we see that it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Guess what? You can resist and resist and resist all day long and he will not flee if you have not first submitted yourself unto God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, period. Submit to God. There is no devil in hell that is afraid of someone that is not submitted unto God. Why? Because you don't have his authority unless you are submitted to him. So what does that look like today? Stop pushing against the Lord. Stop sinning against him. Stop running from him. Stop disobeying his word. Instead of spending eight hours a day on Facebook, pick up the word of God and see how it tells you to live. God wants our all. I had to take note of something in today's worship service. It was so easy for us to sing, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. And we cried and we wept and we believed it. But when we started singing, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Lord, don't let us give our souls to another. Oh, it got real quiet. We know he's worthy of it all, but we're just not submitted enough to give it all to him. And so we struggle and we battle and we fight the enemy of our souls and we are powerless. We have no power over him if we are not walking in the authority of God. Because the authority over the enemy doesn't come from me. The authority over the enemy comes from the name of the Lord. It comes from the covering of God over us. And he won't cover us if we're not submitted to him. So I, I challenge you today, stop pushing against God. Stop sinning. Stop trying to do it your way. Stop running from his purpose in your life. Stop disobeying his word. Pick up the word of God every single day so you know what it says and you know how to live and you know how to apply it. Once we have submitted ourselves unto God, the Bible is not silent. After after James 4 and 7, submit yourselves to God. The Bible is not silent on the topic of submission. That's just the highest in the chain of command. That's the highest authority. And you got to get that right first. You got to submit to God first and foremost. And when you do, recognizing and following the chain of human authority becomes easier. So if you're having trouble with the enemy, submit to God. And if you're having trouble submitting to someone that God has asked you to submit to, submit to God. It becomes a lot easier for us when we submit ourselves to the word of God. I know I'm not going to make the ladies mad because they love me and we already got this out of the way Wednesday night in our Bible study. 1 Peter 3 and 1, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Not somebody else's husband. He's not yours. Get your eyes off of him. That wasn't in my notes. That was free, and the Holy Ghost just quickened me. Adultery's not cute. It's a sin. 
First Peter 3 and 1, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husband, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. We don't like this scripture, ladies. We get a little nervous. And that's because our culture has told us not to like it. And our culture has twisted what this scripture is really saying. Because in Ephesians, the the writer tells us that women are supposed to submit to their husbands. Wives, respect your husbands. But husbands, you don't get off the hook. Because you are commanded to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Jesus would never abuse his church. He would never demean it or belittle it. He gave his life for his church. This does not mean that we are incompetent or we are ignorant or we need a man to come to our rescue. It does not mean we are doormats. That is not what biblical submission is. This never gives the husband the right to abuse or demean. But when a wife can lovingly and respectfully discuss, disagree even, have a discussion respectfully with the man in her life, then he can lovingly honor that discussion, listen to her thoughts. And together, they work together on this love and respect cycle. He is loving, she is respecting. And why? This isn't in my notes either. I don't know why I keep going here. Why? Because a a woman's greatest need is to feel loved. We need to feel love. Just love me. Just let me know I'm loved. But a man's greatest need is to be respected. So wives, we're to be submissive. We're to give them the respect and honor that the word of God requires. And you don't get off the hook if he's not nice. Because 1 Peter 3, 1 says, even those that don't obey the word, even when he is wrong, we have to respect. And the Lord will take care of him. The Lord will work it all out if we fall under the biblical authority in our lives. God can bless that. God can honor that. 1 Peter 5 and 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Kids, teenagers, this is a carryover from the commandment that's given in Deuteronomy 5, 16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. It's not a request, but it's a command. And this is what the household looks like. The husband is the head of his household. The wife is submitted to him, not in a demeaning and awful way, but she is truly loved just like Jesus loves his church. She's treasured. And so naturally she will be respectful and bring him honor. And the children are to submit to those that are in authority over them. So that is the family. God, man, woman, children. What about the family of God? What about the church? Does the Bible say anything about submission in the church? I'm glad you asked. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Jesus loves his church. He wants us to be submitted to one another. He doesn't want us bickering and fighting and gossiping and slandering. He wants us to come together and submit ourselves to one another. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you. And be submissive. Obey, be submissive. 
For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The scripture is telling us to submit to the man of God. The one who watches for your soul, the one who will have to give an account, submit to that man. Knowing that he's just a man, he's not perfect, he's not God, but he is God's man for the church, for this city, for this region. And we are called to bring ourselves under submission as they watch for our souls. And I want you to know that all of this, all of these levels of submission and wives to husbands and husbands and everybody to God and all of the submission to to children and, uh, and elders and to the man of God and to one another sometimes. All of that is, we don't do it to the person, but we're doing it unto the Lord because we're commanded to. I don't have to answer to God for my husband. I don't have to answer to God for my pastor. I don't have to answer to God for you, but I do have to answer to God for myself. And I have to answer to God about whether or not I submitted. So sometimes, ladies, if he's wrong, and he's wrong, you honor, you respect, you submit, and God will bless that. And one day you can stand before God and you could say, that wasn't easy, Lord, but I did what your word commanded me. But did you see what he did? Did you see what he said? Did you see what the pastor did? Yes, the Lord did see that, and he will take care of that. He will take care of any human authority that made a mistake or messed up or hurt you or wronged you. He'll, he'll, excuse me, he'll take care of anything that is unfair. He'll sort it all out. Like they used to say, it'll all come out in the wash. But I want to be able to stand before God with a pure heart, saying, even when I was wronged, I did what the word of God commanded me to do. I want to give you a couple notes on submission before we close today. We have a little bit of a confusion about what is submission. I want to say submission is not unity. Unity is agreement. Unity brings power. The day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all in one mind, one accord. We love that. Unity is important. When we come together in unity, in agreement, there's powerful things that happen. But we're not always going to be in unity. We're not always going to be in unity with our spouse, with our church family, with our pastor. We're not going to always agree. And guess what? You're not always going to agree with God. You're going to want to follow your emotions rather than submitting to the truth of the word of God. You're going to want to follow after your own lust rather than following the word of God. Ladies, you're not always going to agree with your husband. Children, you're not always going to agree with your parents. We're not always going to agree with everybody in our church family. You're not always going to agree with your pastor. And guess what? You're not always going to agree with your pastor's wife. Or maybe you're not going to agree with the nursery director or the person that takes out the garbage, or you're not going to agree with the usher or the sister or the brother that's sitting down the pew from you, you're not going to always agree. 
And there will be times, glorious times, that we will agree and we will dwell together in unity and agreement. And the word of God tells us that when we do, it is good and it is pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity because it's easy to agree. So I want you to understand today, when you agree with your pastor, you're not in submission to him, you are in unity with him. When you agree with God's word, you're not submitting to the word of God. You are in unity with the word of God. But it is when we disagree that our submission is put to the test. Submission can only happen if there is a disagreement or a misunderstanding. Because submission is when we give over our will to another's will. The New Testament Greek word in all of these scriptures about submission is hypotasso, which means to put underneath, to put your desires underneath. To say, my desire is lesser, but I submit to God and his desires. We have to be humble to submit We can't have a pride issue or we won't be able to submit. People who are never submitted reek of pride. Pride originated with Lucifer when he said, I will be like the most high. And he didn't want to submit to an almighty God. And that's why God hates a proud look. Because if someone just starts looking like pride, God says, oh, that reminds me of Lucifer. The kingdom of heaven operates through humility, humbling ourselves before God, humbling ourselves before one another, humbling ourselves before our spouse, humbling ourselves through the authorities that God has placed in our life. God operates in humility and submission. So if the devil is attacking you, and you're resisting, and he's not leaving you alone, it is not a faith problem. It's a submission problem. Faith alone doesn't cast out devils. Ask the seven sons of Sceva. In Acts chapter 19, I wasn't going to read it, but let's do it. Verse 11, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jew, and a chief of priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, you know, evil spirits can talk. They talk to you all the time through your television and music. And The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? The man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, prevailed against them. They fled out of the house naked and wounded. They took a beating. This was known to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many that believed came and confessed. Huh, that sounds like humility. And showed their deeds, many of them also which used curious arts. Magic brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. In this passage of scripture, there's a few things we can dig out about spiritual authority. Paul was the spiritual authority of that day. We know that because he was overseeing the churches. He was overseeing the church in Ephesus. And it says that there were special miracles being wrought by his hands. They were sending him handkerchiefs and evil spirits were departing. Paul had authority. This group, the seven sons of Sceva, 
they were vagabonds. That means they were not settled in one place. They were not submitted to a man of God. You can't be a lone ranger and have spiritual authority over the enemy. You have to be submitted. They tried to use the name of Jesus and of Paul, but since they were not submitted to Jesus or to Paul, the spirit talked back to them. And then they got a beat down and they left beat up. The story was told all around Ephesus and the fear of the Lord fell in the church. People, they had revival. People began submitting to God. They began confessing their sins. They began confessing witchcraft, which is rooted in rebellion. They began confessing all of those things and revival broke out in Ephesus. So church, I say to you this morning that there is a promised revival around, upon this church. There's a promised revival in this city. There is a hill right down the road that is just waiting for a church to be built upon it. A larger place for more harvest. But there will never be a revival until there is first a revival of submission. We are the hindrance to revival. God can speak it. God can desire it, but we can hinder it. With our unsubmission, with our rebellion, with our sinfulness, we can hinder what God wants to do. The church can become weakened when we give in to the attacks of the enemy over and over. So we got to be strong. And I know it sounds like an oxymoron this morning. But the way you get stronger is by becoming weaker, by submitting, by submitting to God. Submission makes you stronger in the kingdom of God. When the church increases in our submission, we will also increase in our authority. If we want to see the things that we talk about, if we want to see the miracles and the signs and the wonders, if we want to be able to cast out devils in his name, we can't just throw his name around and just use it. We have to be submitted to that name. We have to be submitted to his word every day. We have to be submitted to those that the Lord has called us in his word to submit to. Can we all stand? We're going to come pray at the altar. And the Lord told me that there are those in this room today that need to burn some things up like they did in Acts 19. There's some things that you need to submit to God. Maybe it's some thoughts, maybe it's some actions, maybe it's sin, whatever it is, you need to submit it to God today. And I want you to run, not walk to this altar. I want you to come and find a place to put it on the altar and burn it up. God is not interested today in what you have to bring to the table. He's interested in what you're going to bring to this altar. He's interested in what you're going to submit to him. That thing that's been troubling you, that thing that's keeping you from having authority over the enemy, give it to God today. Maybe some of us need to re renew a fresh commitment to submit to our husbands. Maybe some need to make a fresh commitment to submit to our pastor and our church leadership there is no place for rebellion in a revival church. Maybe we need to submit to one another. Maybe we need to put our own feelings and emotions aside and just forgive somebody. God has revival for us. And if you want to be a part of that, but you know today, I'm not submitted in some area of my life, come, come, come.
You're not doing it unto me. You're doing it unto the Lord. You're not doing it unto your pastor. You're doing it unto the Lord. He's calling us. He wants to equip us. He wants to use us. But there cannot be a hint of rebellion in God's church. God has power and authority for you. But you've been weakened because of your lack of submission. It's grieving the Lord to know that his people are oppressed by the enemy. He wants his church to walk in victory. But the only way there is on that pathway of submission. This message today is a call to submission. A call to submit ourselves to the word of God, even when it's not easy. A call to submit ourselves to one another. Hallelujah. We don't need the music. They're coming, they're preparing, that's fine. But you can pray, you can talk to God right now. Don't wait for something else to happen. This is the something else. This is it. Confess your sins unto the Lord. Repent of our wicked ways. Ask God to help us submit to the human authorities that he's placed in our lives. Submission is not unity. It's not agreement. Submission is disagreement. Church, we've got to learn how to disagree and submit. God is full of grief when he looks at his church and we are like those seven sons of Sceva and we are beaten up by the enemy. He wants us to walk in power and authority. He wants us to have power over the enemy. He's got it for you today if you will just submit. Submit to him. Jesus God, we submit ourselves unto you first. Unto your word, Jesus, we submit. Unto your, to your kingdom, God, we submit. Unto your name, we submit. Unto the Holy Ghost, we submit. Jesus, forgive us, oh God, for the times that we've walked in rebellion against the authorities in our life, God. Forgive us, Jesus. We want to be stronger. We want to resist the devil and he will truly flee. But God, it won't happen until we submit. Jesus, help your people to submit. Jesus' name.